0: I'm Matt Munster-Tiger, publisher of Buffstampede.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Krauss, publisher of
1: Inside the Rams from the CSU 24-7 Sports Network.
0: And we're here at Verboten Brewery in Loveland, Colorado. We're taking this opportunity, Ryan, to preview the Rocky Mountain Showdown. A little bit of a different vibe this year going into it. Obviously, last year CSU had played a zero-week game, beaten Oregon State. A lot more mojo on that in Fort Collins leading up to this game. Obviously not the the case this year. Right.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, quite the opposite with CSU. uh, You know, a lot of uh, anticipation and excitement uh, going into the season season opener last week, of course. Uh, Major disappointment being 17-point favorites over Hawaii. Uh, You know, to lose by nine, being down by 30 in the third quarter. um, Has a lot of fans not quite so optimistic going into this year's Rocky Mountain Showdown.
0: How unexpected was that? Obviously, there was the Mike Bobo health issue. Do you think that played into it? Was it first-game jitters, or was it this team is really not that good? At, where, where do you kind of uh, pin it on?
1: You know, it's, it's one game, so it's hard to put a finger on just one thing. But I, I certainly think uh, Bobo being gone affected the team. He was gone in the hospital for 10 days. You know that has to affect the team to some degree. Um, you know, he did not call the plays last week. It was quarterback's coach Ronnie Letson, who we just found out today. Uh, Letson will again be calling plays this next week when Bobo his entire career, whether he's in Georgia or the head coach here at CSU, he's been calling plays. Um, But just watching the game in general, whether it's the defense or even uh, the inconsistency of the offense, it was a lot of the same old, same old that we saw from CSU last year. Yes, the offense was explosive, but there was drives, I think it was five in a row in the first half where they didn't do anything after an opening drive score. And then they blew up, you know, kind of late with garbage time, late in the game. Uh, The defense, the same secondary woes, lack of pass rush, so um, a lot of new coaches, but it's kind of tough to tell at this point, um,
0: you know, what exactly it is. Obviously, we're here to talk about football, break down the game. We're going to go Colorado's offense against CSU's defense, vice versa, kind of break down the matchups, but I mean, obviously, Mike Bobo's health was uh, much bigger than football. Has he figured that out? Are they still trying to... Are they doing tests? What's the latest there?
1: Yeah, so, you know, there's still kind of mum on it. They, uh, they announced a while back, a few weeks ago, that it was peripheral neuropathy, uh, some nerve damage in his feet, whether that was from uh, knee replacement surgery he had in the offseason. Uh, they didn't really specify. There's a lot of different causes to that. Um, but he's been mostly riding the golf cart uh, around in practice. Um, still, you know, he's in the press box last game. They haven't announced, you know, if he's going to be there again this week. I have a feeling he will. Um, so, it's kind of kind of a mystery. It's certainly a weird situation that, you know, of course, um, you know, we want the best for Bobo and want his health, but it's just kind of a tricky situation that he's still, you know, part of the team, yet, you know, he spent 10, 10 days away from the team, so kind of
0: tricky. He's been there long enough that he's recruited most of the guys on the team. How, has that taken a mental toll on, on CSU's football spot?
1: Uh, yeah, I would imagine so. Um, I mean, they're a tight knit community. I mean, you hear all the time in interviews with players or even recruits that come to Fort Collins. They say it's a tight-knit family atmosphere, which is what you always want to hear. Um, so it's tough to take. You know, Publicly, they're saying all the right things, but you have to know, you know deep down
0: that uh, it's affecting them to some degree. The second half comeback, how much does that make you think that it could have been first game jitters and maybe this is going to be a better team than what we saw at least for that first 30 minutes?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, kind of tough to say. I mean, at times the offense looked really explosive. Yes, it's against Hawaii. Um, you know, Preston Williams on the outside, he's um, you know more talented than Michael Gallup and Higgins as far as a six-four kid who can catch, he can run. Uh, he blew up. Uh, KJ Carter-Samuels set a program record for most passing yards in a single game uh, after a pretty rough first half. Kind of a weird situation there so um, you know you saw glimpses of it 99 yard drive in like 4 or 5 plays it was an 85 yard drive as well with very few plays so they're explosive but um, I think the key here is two of their top running backs are going to be out once again due to suspension Um, they still have their starter Izzy Matthews but if they can't get the running game going if they're one
0: dimensional that could spell trouble for CSU Did CSU know Hawaii was going to the run and shoot? Yeah, yeah they definitely did They prepared for that all camp? Yeah, and
1: that—that okay. that was another. Th- that's another mystery is, you know, coaches said afterwards and the players, they said, you know, they didn't feel they were prepared, that Hawaii was the better prepared team, yet they knew going in, you know, certainly different personnel, different quarterback, different system, things like that, but, you know, they felt like they were unprepared. It was kind of a, you know, a mystery thing when you have an entire month to prepare with
0: fall camp. For the second straight year. I'm at a disadvantage with CU going into the Rocky Mountain Showdown. I haven't seen this football team play a game yet. Uh, we saw had two open practices, and I try my best to fight the camp optimism that always seeps in because you're going against each other. And Last year, Colorado's offense and defensive line both struggled during the season, but during camp, how are you going to know that because you're going against each other? So going into this podcast more blind than you are, Ryan, but... I will say the, the chemistry on the, in this group is among the best I've seen with the CU team. Now, that doesn't necessarily equal wins. Ryan, you and I could have great chemistry, but if we were suited up on Friday night, the team would be in trouble, so uh, you've got to have more than that, but two years ago when CU had that magical 2016 season, they were 5-0 in really close games, last year 1-4, and I do think that team chemistry in those situations can really help you if you are really truly battling for that guy next to you. And we heard things throughout last off-season, not this past off-season, but this off-season before 2017, where a lot of guys were looking at the NFL and they weren't necessarily the best type of leaders. You know, they were kind of for themselves. They might talk a lot, but it didn't necessarily mean it was a close-knit locker room. So I'm curious to see how that's gonna show itself. Uh, let's talk matchups here. Let's go Colorado State's passing attack versus Colorado's secondary and what they're going to bring there. Why don't you kind of lead us off? You've seen what Carter Samuels did. You mentioned a little bit about what his, you know, kind of uh, bipolar game, not as good in the first half, better in the second half. Break down his strengths, his weaknesses, that great receiving core there and and kind of the challenges that, that, that those guys pose.
1: Yeah, so I'd say for sure the strength of the CSU offense uh, is their passing attack. Um, You know, KJ, like I said, had a great second half. Um, His first game at CSU, for those of you that aren't aware, he was Jake Browning's backup at Washington for three years. Um, Let a comeback victory, I believe, his last year against Stanford, which was really, you know, he played very minimally uh, at Washington. Uh, So when he came here in the summer... Um, by all accounts, he picked up the offense pretty quickly. Um, he's a kid that was a four-star recruit. Um, he moves well with his legs. He's a bigger kid. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say he's like a dual threat. You know, Maybe kind of like Montez from the fact that he's athletic but looks to throw first. Um, he's got a decent arm, relatively athletic, but he's got some big targets to throw at. Uh, I mentioned Preston Williams, who was Scout's top-rated uh, receiver coming out of the country in 2015 as a five-star. He's 6'4", can run. Um, Warren Jackson is a 6'6", target that we didn't hear a, lot, a whole lot last week. Coaches are very high on. He caught two touchdowns at Alabama last year. He's a big athletic kid, uh, almost went to Arizona. Uh, BC Johnson, see you fans might remember. He's kind of the do-everything six-foot receiver, but just really solid. And a lot of talent behind them. You have freshman Nico Hall, who had office from Florida, Tennessee. Some others coming out of high school. He's a true freshman. so. I mean, tons of weapons, tight ends are good, um, the big question mark I mentioned is the running attack, but more than that is probably the running game, or excuse me, the uh, offensive line, which has <laughs> had their issues last week. So if they can hold up, I think CSU has a chance uh, against CU's uh, you know, talented secondary. You know, Of course, I really like CU's safety, so we'll see how uh, they match up there.
0: Colorado has had really good defensive backs that's what been the one area when Mike since McIntyre got to Boulder that they've really excelled in had a bunch of guys drafted here in recent years this group is really talented uh, with the starting safeties and Evan Worthington he was probably their best defensive player last year. He's a, probably their number one NFL prospect on the team this year. Nick Fisher is a guy that's going into his senior year as well, both those guys are seniors. And he battled a bunch of injuries, but when he's played, he's played pretty well in their 2016 Pac-12 South Division Championship year. He made one of the biggest plays in one of the biggest games against Washington State on a fourth down play. Uh, so as long as those two guys stay healthy and, and they're healthy going into Rocky Mountain Showdown, that's where we're here to preview, that, that looks good. Quarterback, it's interesting. They had five guys really battling for the starting job. And Delrick Abrams Jr., a junior college transfer, is the only one that's listed as a true starter on the depth chart going into this game. But even he let some plays slip behind him. Uh, We'll talk about CU's receiving core later. They're, They're pretty talented, so it might have something to do with that. But these guys are solid. They're gonna be a pretty solid unit. When I look at CSU's passing attack and the receivers, this is Yes, it's a Mountain West program, but this is one of the better receiving cores they're going to face all season. And I really think that I expect a shootout. We'll get into more of our predictions later, but I think CSU is going to make some plays, and they're going to hit some deep balls on on CU.
1: They should, but, again, if if CU can get a consistent pass rush, I think that's the big key because a couple times Carter Samuels didn't have time to throw, and that's when CSU's offense had an issue. So I know that's kind of like the MO of any defense is pressure the quarterback. Uh, But CSU's offensive line is pretty – um, is, is the X factor, if you ask me. A lot, four new starters this year, and some of the guys didn't play too well last week.
0: So I would lean towards CSU having the edge here, but to your point, CU uh, so you didn't rush the passer all that well last year. They ranked low in the Pac 12 in terms of that. If they show a lot of improvement in that area, that could be a big factor in this football game in terms of really giving the CU an edge, versus if they're not able to get a pass rush, it could be a lot more even than a lot of people think at this point. I definitely agree with that. Would you give CSU the edge here as well? Uh, I will, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Slide slight edge. Okay, slight edge. Okay. Uh, what about CSU's running attack, and then I'll get into CU's front seven.
1: Yeah, as I mentioned, uh, Izzy Matthews is back. He's been at the program. This is his fourth year. Uh, super productive. He's rushed for, uh, I think now it's probably about 2,000 yards in his career, 26 touchdowns, uh, rushing. Um, he's kind of the bruising guy that, you know, CU fans might remember. His recruiting process had maybe a soft CU offer earlier on. I can't really remember. Three-star kid out of California. but They,
0: they had a, a firm offer out there early, and then the summer camp circuit started, and then they found a couple other guys that they liked. But they really liked him. Uh, maybe definitely, defensively as a linebacker? Or a, they liked him as a running back. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a
1: solid kid. He's, he's smart. He's a good leader. Um, you know, he's kind of an in-between guy that, yes, he can run guys over, but he tries to be a little bit shifty, but he's just kind of a do-everything guy. Um, there are two backups behind him, uh, they're both suspended, both Marcus McElroy from Mullen uh, and Rashad Body from Washington, who a lot of folks think that Rashad Body uh, really big kid, kind of, uh, quite frankly, built kind of like Adrian Peterson, just a uh, big dude that can run guys over deceptively fast. He's also suspended, so. Um, Excuse me, uh, I misspoke. Marcus McElroy is the number two guy. He will play. Uh, Marvin Kinsey is suspended along with uh, Rashad Body. So you're going to see two running backs in Izzy Matthews and Marcus McElroy. McElroy's got talent, but he's a second-year guy that didn't really play much last year uh, with some blood clot issues. So, um, again, with the offensive line, the question marks, I think, there. Um, even with CU not playing, I, you know, I would personally give the edge to CU.
0: Okay. It's interesting, and McElroy was also a guy that CU had offered for a while and was hard on, and he decided to just kind of take his time with the process. Uh, those guys are going to have a chip on their shoulder going into this game. I'm sure Izzy Matthews by this point has probably let it go, but I don't think Marcus McElroy has if he's got a chance to get out there and make a statement. Uh, Colorado's front seven, they returned uh, their two inside backers that both played over 800 snaps last year, and Rick Gamboa and Drew Lewis, two seniors. Uh, and actually, they had a, a true freshman last year by the name of Nate Lamman that did really well in short yardage situations. And he got so good this offseason and during camp that they wanted to get all three of those guys on the field at the same time. So they asked Drew Lewis if he would be okay moving to outside backer because he was one of the better pass rushing inside backers in, in the country last year. Didn't get a ton of sacks, but a ton of quarterback hurries. And so he did the very unselfless, very selfless thing of moving – to outside backers, so they're gonna you're gonna see those three guys out there. Uh, that's probably the strength of their defense. The defensive line is a major question mark. Uh, Javier Edwards, their nose tackle, did come in at 395 last year, and as McIntyre said at his Tuesday press conference, he was quick at that weight surprisingly, but only for about two plays. <laughs> and then he's sucking air and he's having trouble even running off the field, he was out of shape. He's down, he was uh, two, uh, I'm sorry, 329 earlier this week now. He's not going to be mistaken for a, a slim guy anytime soon, but that's a substantial amount of weight loss that he's had. Uh, he, he told me that he cut out juice was, was the big thing. So, uh, Whatever works. He, yeah. In uh, Colorado's scheme, they, they run a three-down lineman scheme. You need that nose tackle to eat up those A-gaps. And Again, he could do it for a couple plays. He just couldn't do it consistently. So, They're optimistic he'll be better at that. Uh, they have a true freshman by the name of Israel Antwine that is expected to start at left defensive end. He, uh, the last two years, they didn't have any true freshman start any games, and that was the first time since 2005 in the program. So, Israel Antoine is a pretty special talent. Uh, d- does 500 push-ups a day. So, yeah, he showed up as an 18-year-old just ready to go, and he point- hold, will hold that point of attack again with the three-downline scheme. A lot of times, it's about holding up those blockers and letting the linebackers behind you make big plays more so than being the, the star yourself. You know. And Mustafa Johnson's expected to be other, the other defensive lineman that's going to start. He uh, transferred in from the JUCO ranks. It's funny he's listed at 6'2". He's maybe five-eleven, but he's got crazy long arms and big hands, so it kind of mitigates that. Which actually is kind of a good thing. If you're shorter, you have leverage, but if you have the length, you can you know make plays that way. So. That group should be quite a bit better than it was last year. That defensive line last year is the reason that Colorado went five and seven and did not go to a bowl game. So there's a lot of pressure on those guys to step up. With the experience at linebacker and with expecting those guys up front to get better, I think I would give Colorado the edge as well here. Okay. Uh, Moving along, let's go uh, the CSU secondary and and how they're going to uh, match up against CU's receiving court.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think with all the issues CSU yes, had last week, the big glaring issue was certainly the secondary, um, specifically the safety play. Um, you know, I know coaches and uh, fans were pretty optimistic going in with, uh, you know, their starting duo of Jamal Hicks and Jordan Fogle. Uh, Fogle this is his second year at CSU. He's a grad transfer from Utah. Um, played well in spot duty as a nickel guy for Utah. Had a couple picks against UCLA a couple years ago, so the staff was high on him, but. Um, I don't think he played too well last week. Same with Jamal Hicks, a talented kid that, uh, you know, let, got burned several occasions. Um, so they're going to be looking to redeem redeeming themselves. Um, you know, at quarterback, CSU has two brand-new starters. Uh, one is a true freshman, uh, Rashad Ajayi from Georgia. Uh, CSU beat out Pitt for him in the recruiting process. They were really high on him. Um, you know, a lot of folks believe that he's – You know, already one of the more talented and productive cornerbacks CSU's had in a while. Granted, that's not really saying a whole lot. CSU's had um, a lot of issues in the secondary, especially corner. Um, The guy starting opposite him is VJ Banks. He's a graduate transfer from Rice, um, who sat out last year with an injury, um, and uh, he played, you know, respectable last week I would say in his first game as a Ram. Um, But really, I mean, there's a lack of depth, a lot of youth, um, especially at cornerback. Uh, at nickel, they get Braylon Scott back, who's super-long 6'3 athlete. Um, he had an okay game last week, but again, uh, you know, CSU gave up, I think, 500 total yards to a first-year starting quarterback, uh, over 400 passing yards um, to Cole McDonald. So um, that's going to be the glaring thing this week. I think tied to that, of course, you always have to say, okay, well, how much pressure was the defense able to apply to the quarterback, which CSU didn't. They had one sack. And so they have a new 4-3 alignment. Um, they've had a 3-4 the last, I think, four or five years. Um, so they have a 4-3 alignment. Uh, so they'll have to get pressure on the quarterback. But the secondary also
0: has to step up. and There's a lot of inexperience and just newness to that group. Okay. Who do you give the edge? Oh, well, I guess i got to do my yeah, part. Yeah, then yeah we'll yeah. give an edge. Okay. So Steven Montez enters his junior year. This is uh, his second year as a full-time starter. He was up and down, very inconsistent last year. Some weeks he looked like an all-conference caliber guy. Other weeks you had fans potentially clamoring for the backup. You know, he just uh, wasn't a guy that trusted his protection last year, and part of that was for good reason. The offensive line didn't play all that well last year, uh, but. He has a new quarterbacks coach, Kurt Roper, who came in. He's a guy that recruited and coached Eli Manning at Ole Miss, has been around, was an offensive coordinator at Duke and in the SEC recently. He's not calling plays anymore, so he's just a full-on quarterbacks coach. And Montez has talked a lot about how he's improved some of his mechanics and his study habits. Montez uh, last offseason was quoted as, you know, this quarterback thing is great, but I'm not gonna take it too seriously. Well, that's a horrible (laughs) attitude if you're a Pac-12 starting quarterback. And yeah, now he's taken on a different approach. He still enjoys being a college student, but uh, he is uh, definitely taken a a better study habits in that sense. Great arm, uh, great athleticism, just it's the consistency day to day. And even this past off season, there were a few times when he had to get called out just for not being that guy every day. He wasn't one of teams, seven team captains. Uh, The receiving core is definitely the strength of this offense even though they lost three senior receivers. And it still to this point has people, CU fans wondering why these guys weren't on the field more because some of those seniors last year were looking ahead to the NFL and weren't the best leaders and they were dropping balls in critical situations at times. Uh, LaVisca Chennault Jr. is the guy that CSU fans are going to notice most. He wears number two. He kind of looks like Larry Fitzgerald out there. It looks like Larry Fitzgerald stole a CU Buffs jersey, put it on. He has to lift with the offensive linemen because they don't want to – if he's lifting with the receivers, they got to take off so many plates for him to be able to lift. Uh, so he's just a, a freak. And if you put him in a line and have him run a 100-yard dash, I don't know if he'd have the greatest time, but he's got kind of that football speed. There was a time last year I think it was about 55 yards. Uh, fumble recovery that he ran in on a botched uh, punt return and no one could catch him There are a lot of fast guys on the field and he outran everybody so he's gonna have a, a really big season for Colorado Jay McIntyre, of course Mike McIntyre's son has been Steady Eddie type of guy, uh, very good short area quickness and is a team captain And it's just it seems like every time he catches the balls for a first down or a touchdown very he moves the chains He's a, a good slot possession guy Katie Nixon is one of the outside receivers that's going to see a lot of playing time. He used to be a slot guy. Uh, 5'8", is going to be able to uh, be kind of a versatile guy, even though he's going to be on the outside, pretty fast guy. Jawan Winfrey had over 200 yards in the last two games last year. And KD Onento, 6'3", 190, redshirted last year as going into his senior year just because he saw the senior depth last year and wanted to preserve his uh, year, last year of eligibility. So all those guys – have done a lot of great things on the practice fields. Jay McIntyre is the one that's shown it on game day. I guess Juwan Winfrey if you count the last two games last year, but that group is gonna be really talented. That's kind of the the issue you have with some of these national pundits that look at how much production do you return in terms of the receiving board? Well, if you look at the stats, not much. Juwan Winfrey had a over a couple hundred yards and Jay McIntyre had some catches, but really you're not grasping it yeah so that group is going to be really good and it comes down to steve amontes going from a first year full-time starter last year to now being an upperclassman and being consistent he was inconsistent with the deep ball early last year he again didn't trust his protection all the time if he takes that next progression and these receivers stay healthy uh, this should be a team that's pretty electric over the air um he talked about some of the issues that CSU secondary had, so I, I've definitely gotta give the edge here to, to see you.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Edge to see you. All right,
0: what about CSU's front seven?
1: Yeah, so I think the one thing folks noticed this year was the size difference. I mentioned uh, CSU switched from a 3-4 to a 4-3. Uh, that's certainly a big adjustment. Um, However, I just think across the board, they look bigger. I mean, they look the part. They have um, a true freshman, nose tackle. Devin Phillips had offers from Miami, TCU, Texas Tech. Uh, he was kind of the gem of the class. He had quite a few uh, top guys, but I'd say he was the signing day gem that they got. Um, and he's already starting right away as a true freshman. He's maybe six one, about 3'10". <coughs> Excuse me. He played well last week. Um... Ellison Hubbard, another D-tackle next to him. He's a big boy from uh, Grayson High School in Georgia, who we all know is a national power. Um, he's pretty talented, didn't have the best week last week. Um, guys next to him, Richard King uh, from Denver, um, from Rangeview. He's he, he looks the part, didn't play too well last week. Um, wasn't great in lane containment. Uh, another guy opposite him is Emmanuel Jones, who... Uh, rumor has it scouts are drooling over. He's 6'4", 275, is a true sophomore, moves like a linebacker. And he was kind of a gem from Georgia, um, from a very small school that just wasn't very good, that he just kind of slipped under the radar, just had offers from, you know, the Marshals, the Appala- actually, excuse me, Appalachian states of the world. Uh, so he's, he played last year, uh, showed flashes, showed flashes last week. Um, but he's really the guy that's going to have to step up and get after the quarterback that they're kind of banking on because at this point they don't have a pass rush and yeah. um, you know someone needs to step up um, so moving to I guess I'll add as well um, CSU has improved defense line depth I uh, got a couple guys from the junior college ranks and Jan Philippe Bombeck from Germany he sat up he didn't play last week but he'll be back this week Damian Dickens another junior college guy they're high on uh, so they have more depth they're bigger they're more athletic on paper they look better but last week I know it's just one game but didn't look too great. Um, uh, moving to linebacker, uh, Josh Watson, uh, he's a senior leader in the middle. He's He's got all the ability in the world. He's 6'2", 240, moves very well. He's a tackling machine. Uh, missed some assignments last week, but he's a guy that they're counting on in the middle. Uh, next to him is Trey Thomas from Overland High School. Uh, some of you folks might remember. Um, he set a state record for, I believe, most career tackles. Um, pretty highly recruited, but just really hasn't. I mean, he looks the part, but really hasn't come on and dominated like coaches thought he would. Um, So he's a guy that really needs to step up, especially considering, I should say, with the offense, he's going to be running this week. You're going to see a lot of nickel from CSU. Uh, So whether that's a 3-3 or most likely a 4-2 set, you're going to see a lot of Josh Watson and Trey Thomas on the field. So it's going to be up to them um, to get their assignments right. So Josh isn't on the outside covering the slots. Um because that's an obvious mismatch there. Trey can keep up with some slot guys, but uh, it'll be interesting to see because they struggled last week. So um, as far as depth there, not good for linebacker for CSU. I should say the other linebackers, Max McDonald uh, from Rocky Mountain and Fort Fort Collins. Um, He shows flashes, but he didn't really play much last week because they were a nickel so much. So front seven, they look better on paper, more size, a lot of talent, brought in some good true freshmen. Uh, Daquan Jackson, who we haven't seen, he's a three-star, really highly recruited, but you know, the proof is in the pudding and we'll see maybe this week if they can change things around a little bit, but
0: uh, definitely we're not that productive last week. All right, with Colorado, they lose Philip Lindsay, the Tasmanian Devil. He was the school's all-time all-purpose yards leader, was second all-time rusher in program history. Now pretty much a lock to make the Denver Broncos, which is a cool story. Uh, It's tough to lose that production. He was a leader. Uh, He was everything. Uh, Had they not gotten (coughs) Trayvon McMillan to transfer in, you'd be worried about CU's running back situation. But McMillan is a guy that transferred in as a grad transfer from Virginia Tech, rushed for over 1,000 yards as a redshirt freshman there. And then when Frank Beamer was fired, the new coach, Fuentes, had more of a running back by committee type situation. So he was still their best back, but wasn't putting up the same type of stats. But he still, first th- uh, first three years, had over 2000 rushing yards at the college level in the ACC. So it's a pretty legit guy. He comes in and he's pretty much a, a well-rounded back, a guy that's really good at catching balls out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, they're gonna use him in a lot of uh, ways in like that. Uh, So he's what makes you not think this guy is falling in terms of the running back position. They do have another guy, Kyle Evans, who's actually listed as a co-starter with him. Great story. He came in as a walk-on, earned a scholarship, and during that 2016 season was Philip Lindsay's backup and actually had some great moments, had a really good game against Stanford. But then that spring following his sophomore year, uh, he broke his hip, dislocated his hip, um, really severe injury. He just wasn't back to himself last year, but he over the course of the last year, year and a half basically has gotten back there and so he's kind of a change of pace. He's listed at 5'7". He might even be 5'6", to be honest with you. He's really short. He's just kind of a, as McIntyre says, just kind of a, a ball of muscle. and He's tough to locate. When you've got a guy that's 5'6", back there behind these big offensive linemen, and he's pretty quick, he can kind of squirt out of there through the hole and it's tough for defenses to locate him. So. Those are going to be the two backs you're going to see out there a lot on uh, Friday night. I don't know. Who do you give the edge to here? Uh, I would say CU until CSU can prove they can stop the run. Okay, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that CU- CSU's front seven. Like you said, they look apart. Sure. The part. Yeah. If they make that game one to game two jump, that it could be a little bit more even?
1: Yeah, and I think the key is, um, kind of based on what I saw last year, CU just likes to spread the field laterally, move guys around, get guys out of position, and when CSU is kind of not used to that, you know, the variety, I think, kind of messes with the defense, and I think that's why Philip Lindsay had a lot of success. So is able to move the field, kind of get the defense on their heels, because um, it's not necessarily the pro style right up the middle, you know, run game. Um, so from that regard, I think CU, if they can, you know, Show enough variety, they'll get yards through tricking CSU's defense a little bit.
0: Okay. What's going on with CSU special teams?
1: <laughs> we'll, we'll keep
0: it quick because we don't want people to bog <laughs> right, right. like, off the, the yeah, podcast here. Last week it was a problem.
1: Um, you know, they had Preston Williams, the talented receiver, returning kicks. I think he put it on the ground twice on kickoffs, maybe three times. Um, you know, he's super athletic. But he's a six-four guy returning kicks. Um, I think that's. A bit of a liability. Uh, punter was okay. He's the top-rated punter two years ago that CSU got. Um, CSU likes to offer um, specialists, um, so they have a true freshman long snapper, kicker that missed two field goals last week. He's a senior who who's normally reliable. So guys missing assignments, there's holds. Just as a unit, they were not good last week. So there's there's ability there. The punter is usually good. Senior kicker who's usually reliable, but missed two 45, a uh, 45 and 48-yard field goal last week. Yep. So we'll
0: see. It's a work in progress. With Colorado, they've got a senior and Alex Kinney at punter. The last five weeks of the 2017 season, he actually had the best punting average in the entire country. Uh, they're pretty optimistic about him kind of carrying that over. Uh, they did have some punch shield issues. A couple times, have cropped, cropped his ugly head up and cost him some games. They would have won at Michigan. Uh, in 2016 had it not been for that so it's about and he's got a little bit of a delay when he gets the snap to when he's actually in the motion the punt so that causes issues sometimes but if he gets it off he just booms the ball a 45 yard punt is like a disappointment to him now so he's pretty good there James Stefano is an interesting story. He's now 31 years old. He transferred, a, or he, not transferred, he's from Australia. He was a professional soccer player for the while, for a while. Never had his college eligibility uh, clock start. Uh, just happened to be at a park one day with a friend that was at Pro Kick Australia and he realized he's pretty good at it. So here we are now, he's entering his second year. He was 17 of 24 as a true freshman last year. It's crazy, the Rocky Mountain Showdown last year, is the first time he had ever been to a college football game and he was actually participating in one. So McIntyre says he's 20% better. I don't know how you quite get to that percentage, but we'll see see beginning on Friday night. Uh, The interesting dynamic in this game for the second year in a row is that CSU's played a football game. They're, again, going back to the old adage, you get better from game one to game two. Colorado might have some first game jitters. That makes me think that it's going to be close for a while. How, how do you feel about kind of where this game is going to start out? Yeah, I
1: think uh, I feel like my expectations most years going in versus how the game actually plays out is quite a bit different. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of lean towards you. I think a slower start, uh, perhaps for both teams, especially CU, once they get things kind of rolling, once they have, uh, you know, some experience knowing how CSU is going to face them, I think they'll be able to adjust and maybe open things up a little bit. Um, but I think you mentioned maybe earlier, I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair yeah. ultimately,
0: especially the second half, more points there. Well, I have to think if CSU is going to win this football game, they're going to have to put up t- for sure over 40 points, maybe yeah. closer to 50. Um <laughs> yeah. It's going to be tough for them to do that, obviously. Uh, I I, I see something like maybe a a 21-14 first half, but I see CU pulling away in the second half once they get those first game jitters out of the way. I'm going to say they win the game 45-24. What are you thinking? Yeah, I was thinking something similar, 44-27. Okay. Okay. Then what's next for CSU? They've got a couple more tough games coming up. Is this going to snowball on them if they don't win on Friday night?
1: Uh, Very well could. Um, They're home to Arkansas next week, (coughs) excuse me, and then uh, at Florida the week after. So at this point, (coughs) excuse me, a lot of folks are thinking best-case scenario, maybe two and two uh, without a conference. Um, Maybe three and two if you include Illinois State. Or no, excuse me, uh, Illinois State's week five. So at this point, 0 and 4 could be a very real possibility for CSU.
0: What is even despite that Hawaii loss. What are the areas of optimism you could point to as somebody covering CSU?
1: Yeah, like you know, I've mentioned the offense, um, you know, the talents there. Uh, I mentioned Preston Williams. I promise you fans, they should be impressed by him. He's, he looks the part, he's, he's a stud. Uh, the receivers are very good. KJ set a program record with most passing yards in a game last week. Um, defense, you know, they've got some players just, at least on paper, good recruiting classes, kids that were highly rated. CSU beat out some Power 5 schools quite often for a lot of these kids, so optimism. Uh, this year, I would say conference play. Hope that, you know, Boise State's down, you know, that they're able to finally win some rivalry games against Wyoming and Air Force. Bobo's 2-7 and seven against the rivals in his tenure at CSU. That's got to change, so ultimately, regardless of how conference play plays out, hope for somehow things to click later on in the season so they can be in the hunt for a conference championship. How much pressure is Mike Bobo under right now? Surprisingly, not that much. Uh, I say that because he signed an extension last year, uh, or this past offseason I should say, which essentially you know, if he's let go this year, he's owed $8 million in his buyout. The year after this, I believe it's $5.5 million which CSU with the new stadium and everything, they just don't have the money for that. So I think realistically, Bobo is unless things completely uh, the wheels fall off there. Um, he's here for I would say at least two, maybe three years, unless of course they win and you know he might move on uh, to perhaps you know an SEC job if CSU was able to you know have a great season.
0: So as disappointing as Hawaii was. They're still not at the point where they have nothing to lose. It's not like they're gonna play like that, are they? Or would you say that? You would think so,
1: <laughs> from a rational onlooker. You never know. I mean, I would like to think that this team there is the cohesion, the you know the camaraderie. The guys, they are a family unit, and you know, I think there is enough player leadership, which is so important um, to keep these guys locked in. Regardless, you know, they're getting lots of hate from fans already, but. I think they're going to stay locked in, and even if they are 0-4, you know, have a chance to be 500 this year.
0: All right. Well, there's going to be a little break in the rivalry coming up before too long, but I uh, got another Rocky Mountain showdown down in Denver on Friday night. I hope this provided you a little insight on both sides of the table here, and uh, got you ready for Friday night. Thanks for tuning in.